for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Thank you so much for those who've been on the chat box, one of them saying that they appreciate hearing from Grant Newsham, who is an absolute rolled gold expert in terms of the Pacific area. And we've got to keep our eyes on what's going because there's a real, you know, power battle, a power conflict going on between the United States and China as to who is going to rule and control the Pacific Islands of that area. Um, This is fascinating. I I find this fascinating. What could Elon Musk be thinking about Disney? And the UK Telegraph is surmising that his comments about Disney of late and getting stuck into them for being so woke could be an early indicator that he wants to make a pitch for owning Disney. Could that be the case? Um, Elon Musk, according to the skeptic in the UK, has posted on X the extraordinary list of criteria laid out in Disney's diversity, equity and inclusion, the DEI policy that managers must bear in mind before making an appointment. Is he plotting a takeover to rescue the entertainment company from the woke mind virus, asks the UK Telegraph. Recruiting someone who has previously worked on a show is not inclusive hiring, apparently, the policy states. Half of all producers, writers and contractors must come from unrepresented groups. That's right. If you work for Disney, you've got to be part of a minority, primarily. And recruiters are forbidden from asking candidates about their race, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, military or veteran status, age, disability or any other legally protected categories. The extraordinary policy document, which has been sent to managers on all US and Canadian shows, was released this week, not by Disney, but by Elon Musk, who claims it was sent to him by an anonymous Disney insider. So someone in Disney trusts Elon Musk to really give it to Disney and their woke agendas and their DEI policies. The owner of Tesla, SpaceX, et cetera, has repeatedly slammed DEIs which have taken over Hollywood, as we know, in recent years, as being ineffective, counterproductive and tantamount to discrimination. And he is absolutely dead right. Taking to X, Elon Musk posted, an anonymous source has just sent me this from Disney. It is mandatory institutionalised racism and sexism. In further posts, he added, here is the full racist, sexist, etc., discriminatory set of laws enforced by Disney's DEI Gestapo. No wonder most of its content produced over the past several years has sucked. Just trying to navigate the DEI minefield is going to crush the creative process. Of course it is. They're focused on something entirely different and entirely separate from what they should be focused on. you got one job. It's about creativity. Uh, He goes on and then the Telegraph asks the point, is he therefore putting the tempo and putting the fire under Disney because of his own financial interests. Does he want to purchase Disney? What sort of a Disney do you think you'd get under a chief called Elon Musk? Fascinating development. Very quickly on the border, um, finish building the wall, writes a story in Horn News today. 
reinstate former President Donald Trump's illegal immigration policies or completely shut down the US-Mexico border until order can be restored. That's what Republican Party leaders are demanding of the Biden administration after bipartisan negotiations over the border crisis collapsed this week. But President Joe Biden has a different plan, according to Horn News, a mass release of thousands of illegal immigrants currently held in custody. A top immigration official says the Biden administration may soon release between 5,000 and 6,000 detained illegal immigrants awaiting court hearings into the US. Angered over a failed border deal that Biden administration insiders tried to craft with Republican senators, officials have cited a budgeted emergency as the reasoning for the planned mass release. Over 6.3 million illegal immigrants have entered the US since 2021, by the way. Um, House Speaker Mike Johnson said this week he would not advance the controversial bill. I told you about that earlier in the program. And we know what the polls say. The polls show Americans want order restored heading into the 2024 election. I would have thought um, the president releasing 6,000 illegal immigrants does nothing to restore order. This is Chris Smith on TNT. There's a lot going on. So it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's get to our regular Thursday commentator at this time, uh, the Libertarian champion of New South Wales. He is the leader of the New South Wales Libertarian Party and a politician himself in the upper house in New South Wales. John Ruddick, MLC, welcome to TNT. Good afternoon, Chris. Good to see you again, mate. Good to have you on. You look to be in some uh, salubrious surroundings there. This is in Parliament House itself, or is it in the nearby chambers, the nearby offices? I've I've, I've now got a more professional uh, studio to talk to you, Chris Smith, each Thursday in my parliamentary office. Okay, you're in the parliamentary it's gonna, it, office. It's going to get refined every week. It's going to it's going to keep improving. <laughs> you are stepping up in the world of uh, the Parliament. I want to talk about Ukraine money, and uh, I played this much earlier in the program today. You can always count on Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican, to come up with some clangers. She doesn't hold back. Uh, she calls a, uh, a spade a dirty, big, fat shovel. Um, Congress is considering whether they accept what Senate has passed, and this is based on you know, party grounds, party numbers, but whether more money goes to the Ukraine. And the Republicans are saying, and they're no doubt pushed by Donald Trump, that hang on a minute, you've got to look after your own. You've got to look after yourselves. That is the Mexico-US border and put some money into making sure that the illegal flows stop, which is a very, very fair thing to do. Forget about what's happening across the other side of the world. Maybe look after Americans first, but have a listen to what she said, MTG. I really don't care what David Cameron has to say. I think that's rude name calling, um, and I don't appreciate that type of language. And David Cameron needs to worry about his own country, and frankly, he can kiss my ass. So Marjorie's saying to David Cameron, Lord Cameron, the rebadged Tory, um, that he shouldn't be telling Congress that they should pass the money bill to go to Ukraine. He should look after his own stuff, and he can kiss my ass. It doesn't get better than that, does it? Well, I stand with Marjorie Taylor Greene 100%, Chris. Uh, we've got to stop funding this war. It's a border dispute, as I think we discussed last week. Now, let's look at what the US has done this century. I mean, they, I love America, okay? But, I mean, America was never meant to be the world police. 
No. Uh, but, but this this century, we've had you know a 20-year disaster in Afghanistan, didn't achieve anything. Uh, then we went into Iraq, okay, mess, you know, rivers of blood, you know, trillions of dollars wasted, a lot of American prestige blown, of course, made a few more million people in the Middle East hate our guts. Then Libya, smashed up Libya. Libya was going really well before they, for no reason, they just went and smashed it up. Uh, then we had Syria, you know, they, they just meddled in that. They didn't know what, poor old Barack Obama didn't know what side he was supporting. You know, he's he's against ISIS, but he's also against Assad. And that, yeah, it was just a... So, look, my point is, is that there's been a lot of uh, American foreign policy failure this century. I think American foreign policy in the 20th century was very good. Uh, yeah, they the communists and the Nazis, okay, and... But, but you know, that doesn't mean if they've been good in the past, they're always been going to be good in the future. So I think that, and I'm just shocked that there is no sort of introspection about from the American foreign policy establishment to say, well, maybe we should be a little bit cautious here. Now, the Brits are worse. They want to go out there for some strange reason. They want to relive Winston Churchill. You know, they want to, you know, Boris Johnson wanted to be Winston Churchill and now Rishi Shunak does. And, look, it, all that's happening is, is that uh, all this money, it ends up going to not to the frontline soldiers so they can have, you know, a bit more uh, warm blankets or anything. It goes to American defence contractors, mm. you know, Boeing, Lockheed Martin. That's where it ends up. It ends up in the pockets of the shareholders and the executives and they will buy their third, you know, $20 million home. The military-industrial complex, John. That's what it is. That's what it is. And uh, so, look, um, hopefully Donald Trump can win and we'll sort of, you know, get this thing wrapped up. Uh, and poor old Ukraine, you know, they've had, they've had their fight. What the worst part about war, Chris, is the finest young men go out and get killed for no good reason. Okay, yeah. now these are men that should be starting families, should be starting businesses, you know, doing lots of productive things, and they go out there. So look, it's um, you know, Tony Abbott was the worst of all. You know, uh, these people seem to be extremely ignorant of what led to this. They keep saying, Chris, it was an unprovoked uh, invasion. No, it wasn't. To, to, no, it wasn't. It was not unprovoked. These idiots. They keep saying it. Now, Russia has felt intimidated, surrounded, and threatened by NATO. I don't even know why we need NATO. NATO was designed to bring down communism, and mm. it did a very good job in my opinion. But then what happened is when communism crashed, cra collapsed, fantastic, the Russian people rose up and said, no, no, we don't want to live under communism any anymore, which is all good. Well, then what they, they, they should have said, well, we don't need NATO anymore, we'll disband it. Now, why didn't they do that? Because we're talking about millions of people getting paid high salaries to just keep the war machine going. The military-industrial complex, John. Yeah, well, President Eisenhower said that in his farewell address, and President Eisenhower was the guy that was the number one general in World War II, and then he was the president for eight years, and in his farewell address, he warned the American people about the rising military-industrial complex, people who are incentivised commercially yeah. for there to be endless war. The only people against it in America now the, the republic half about a third of the Republicans have woken up about about it. The Democrats have historically been the anti-war party, but a hundred percent of them are voting for the to, to to increase this war. It's the libertarian movement in America which is saying, "Out of NATO, stop stop the Ukraine war right now." They they should be if your your viewers should be um, following them on Twitter because they are the best. I want to talk about next week in the UK. This is major stuff, the UK High Court. We've got February 20 and 21, where Julian Assange's hearing will be held to determine whether he'll have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. Now, independent MP 
Andrew Wilkie had something to say about this today. He has been speaking about backing a vote, calling on the parliament to back a vote to bring Assange to Australia. Um, what are your thoughts on Assange at this stage? And what are your thoughts on what's being done by Australia and others to get him home? Well, I think Julian Assange is a heroic figure. Uh, and I think it's a, an extraordinary scandal that he's been locked away. I wish he was. I wish he was a free journalist during COVID. He would have been the best at exposing all the nonsense. True. And so they've locked this guy up. And uh, now let's say I'm wrong, and he did do bad things. Now remember, you know, you know, he he initially when he was le- Sydney Morning Herald, The Guardian, everybody all around the world were publishing all of his cables, and it was exposing George W. Bush's war crimes, etc. And he was a hero of the left. But then Julian Assange in 2016 leaked Hillary Clinton's emails, okay, and showed extraordinary corruption. So then what happened was the left said, oh, we don't like you anymore, Julian. That's right. Julian's not political. He's just, he's a very good journalist, okay? Mm. He's brilliant. He's a, you know, and uh, now, but let's say I'm wrong and he genuinely did do wrong things. Uh, Well, he's served his time, Chris. Of course he has. He's been in hell. Yeah, and and if he gets extradited next week, he's got about 160 years in a U.S. solitary confinement. So I now now I would like to thank Andrew Wilkie, and I'd also like to thank the Labor Party for supporting this motion. The stupid Liberal Party and the National Party did not do that. Yeah, because they want to pretend that they're tough on national security. Yeah. Look, I think Julian Assange will get released at some point. I very much hope he does. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, look. Remember we had David Hicks, okay, when Howard was the Prime Minister, Hicks who had been in Afghanistan howling around with Osama. He ends up in Guantanamo Bay. He becomes the hero of the left. The left put save David Hicks signs everywhere, free David Hicks everywhere, and eventually the political pressure got to the point where John Howard rang up his mate Dick Cheney and said, look, Mr Vice President, um, can you just release this Aussie David Hicks? Uh, I've got too much pressure. And... Mr. Mr. Cheney said, Mr. Mr. Pre- Mr. Prime Minister, yep, look, we'll look after it. If you ask us for a favour, we'll do it for you. Now, Albo, uh, he, he could have put, he, he could have applied more pressure on Joe Biden. Say, look, you know, we're not going to be talking about any AUKUS or any other Five Eyes thing until we have Julian Assange home. Mm-hmm. So, Albo gets more points on this this rare occasion than the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party are just trying to say, oh, we're tough on national security and we want him locked up for 160 years so they can go and get stuff today, Chris. Okay, well said, well said. I've got to take a break. And just a reminder to TNT, we'll be broadcasting from the UK High Court on the 20th and the 21st if uh-huh. it is to run for those two days and we'll be broadcasting there and broadcasting in various other locations after that hearing in London. So looking forward to all of that. Don't Do not miss any of those broadcasts right here. TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God. But Catholics must avoid pornography, Pope Francis has said. The pontiff... Oh, I'll tell you what, though. He was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell. mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. 
this is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. But you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder, and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words, and then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got John Ruddick with us, the leader of the New South Wales Libertarian Party. John, the former Indigenous minister under the coalition government, Ken White, is warning the Labor government in Australia not to pursue treaty. Um, it'll create division, he said. Uh, it's interesting that he's done an about-face after pushing for the voice. And I noticed that Jacinta Nampajimpa-Price is also saying, 
the government has to come up with practical ways to make a, di a difference, not division. So they're both on the same side for a change, but they're right, aren't they? What about some practical ideas? Has he got any creative ideas in his small brain? No, it's all about sort of symbolism, like Kevin Rudd's apology didn't change a thing, okay? And so the, the treaty really, I mean, if there was a vote, if they, if they want to have a treaty, then, you know, if we had a, a vote of the people again, it would be a similar thing. About two-thirds of people would vote against it. We don't, we, we, we want to love all Australians. We don't, it, an internal country doesn't have a treaty with some of its people. So uh, it's nice to see Ken Wyatt, who, who was pretty bad during The Voice, has just had some common sense knocked into him on this issue. Yeah. I'm very, very surprised the Labor Party still wants to talk about this. Um, uh -huh. And they, they, you know, look, just read the room. Just read the room. So I think that they'll drop it. I don't think that they'll look. I haven't been following it closely. I'll be surprised if they want to keep talking about it because we're only a year away from a federal election. So uh, I think, I think Albo will, uh, I think political reality will mug him. Yeah. Just to do, I digress, but um, plenty of comments on our chat box. Uh, Lisa saying, free Julian. There's plenty of support for exactly what John Ruddick has said. All right, John, the Sex Discrimination Commissioner has admitted that she kind of has a different view of what determines a definition for man and woman, um, and she obviously doesn't agree that sex is binary. It came after a question from a Senate committee today, uh, this week, in reference to the upcoming Giggle and Tickle federal court case. And we've had Sally Grover on the program many times to talk about the case that she is facing in the federal court where she um, demands and argues that she should be allowed to have women only on her, her website. And if that is the case, that doesn't include biological men, that is transgender women. Have a listen to this. In our submissions, uh, as in the Sex Discrimination Act itself, the terms man, woman and sex are not defined. We uh, refer to the understanding of woman which can be both the sex that is identified at birth but also through uh, identification through birth certificates at all state and territory levels a person can change their recognised sex through the birth certificate recognition. So the Human Rights Commission believes that sex can be changed after birth? That is recognised in law around all of the states and territories in Australia. That is recognised in law? When was that made law? And secondly, this business about, oh, if you change your birth certificate and call yourself a man when you're a woman and vice versa, that's okay as long as you change your birth certificate. I haven't heard that either. Look, I mean, 80% of Australians would have common sense on this subject. Now, the first thing that needs to be said is, Chris, why does Australia need a sex discrimination commissioner? Seriously, you know, in uh, Harvey Malay got elected in Argentina and he overnight ended about 11 government departments and one of them was the equivalent of their sex discrimination commission. Right. Now, I'm guessing that the commission has paid $350,000 a year, okay? Then there'll be staff and officers and junkets, okay? It's pro probably 10, 20 million bucks a year. Uh, so we don't need it and, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to make any difference to anybody <laughs> whether we uh, uh, get... Uh, have it or don't have it, except that it's going to save the taxpayer money. Now, these fools uh, going around in circles about this question, I mean, it's let's just hope, Chris, that in a generation now we look back at this and, and think of how silly it was because if, if, this, if this irrationality keeps going, we're all headed for a very dark place. I agree. Entirely concur. All right, last subject for you. 
The Prime Minister is engaged. Congratulations, Anthony Albanese. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd like to wish him all the best. Uh, so this will be the second time I've said something positive about Albo today. Julian Sargent <laughs> on his wedding. Now, I know that there's people out there saying, look, it's a, ye- a year away to the election and everybody feels happy for people when they get engaged. But, uh, <laughs> no. I, I won't make that point. I, he not, wouldn't I, do something as cynical as that. Not the not the leader of the Labor Party. Well, look, <laughs> I certainly won't add to that speculation. I, look, she looks like a nice person to me. And I, you know, I don't like it when spouses are overly political. She doesn't seem like she's overly political. I think the Prime Minister is going to function better if he genuinely is in a loving relationship. And that's what it looks like to me. So I I absolutely wish them all the best for it, Chris. So, So do you think that he'll actually put the wedding on the day before the election, possibly? That wouldn't be cynical. Well, I was thinking about that. How would you actually do this wedding? You wouldn't want to have a big grand wedding. I think he... I think he might be better off just having a little uh, a little private ceremony with, without without any publicity around the place. I think you might be right. Thank you so much for your time, John Ruddick. You get back to real business and uh, we'll speak next week. See you next Thursday, Chris. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Thank you. The leader of the New South Wales Libertarian Party, John Ruddick. Love his twist on all the news that makes news in Australia, don't you? Fantastic. And what are your thoughts? If You can be as cynical as you want. You're entitled to. It's called free speech. But here we are. What are we? Around about ten months away from no, maybe maybe twelve months away from an election in Australia. It'll be held in, you know, March probably next year. So we're twelve months possibly away from the election. When you get engaged, when do you usually get get married? Twelve months later, about. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to be cynical here. I'm sure that wasn't even considered. I'm sure it was an act of love on Valentine's Day. Positive of it. This is Chris Smith on TNT. TNT Radio News. I've got news for you, baby. I've got news for you, baby. News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner has alerted Congress to a serious national security threat, urging President Joe Biden to declassify information pertaining to this threat to allow for open discussion among Congress, the administration, and allies on how to address it. NATO has seen unprecedented increases in defense spending among its members, with 18 out of 31 states expected to meet the alliance's requirement to spend 2% of GDP on defense this year. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Oh, interesting. No more. No more. I'm being very, 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 very independent about his engagement. All right. That's all I'll say. All the people on the chat box have not been. Anyway, I have a feeling that the entire world is signing itself up for a global suicide pact because a new study released today shows that the world needs to spend at least $12 trillion US dollars, $12 trillion over the next six years, not 60, $12 trillion in six on renewables and grid infrastructure, not an economic analyst in sight, 
if it's to meet the climate targets set out at last year's COP28 conference. Can you just fathom that for a second? So they wanted to increase the establishment of renewables because they're trying to make renewables sound like as if they're it's free because it comes from the sun and comes from the wind and you don't have to pay for either. But the whole price of setting up your wind turbines and your solar panels is monstrous. And then you've got to get that power into the grid. So you've got to replicate an entire transmission grid to do such a thing. So it's hideously expensive. Do not believe a single politician on any continent who says to you, sorry, it's the cheapest form of power. Cheapest when you finally look up into the sky and pray for sun or hope for hope for wind. That's when it's cheap. That's only one fraction of the process. So 12 trillion US dollars across the world over the next six years. Talk about signing a suicide pact. And of course, there's nothing specifically or scientifically guaranteed about changing the temperature of the planet. Are you kidding? There's nothing that says this is what we're going to achieve because I don't know. Let's speak with Dr. Alan Moran about this and more. Alan is Principal of Regulation Economics. He's a noted economist who's analysed and written extensively from a free market perspective. He was the director of the deregulation unit at the Institute of Public Affairs. He was previously a senior official in Australia's Productivity Commission and director of the Commonwealth's Office of Regulation Review. Um, let's get to him right now. Alan Moran, welcome to TNT. Hi, Chris. Great to be here with you. Let's start with that. $12 trillion US dollars over the next six years. You know, I, and that is a very conservative number. I mean, the people putting that out <laughs> are ultra conservative. I could tell you this. If we move to net zero in Australia, which is the goal of of the, of the Labour Party and, and, and indeed the Liberals. If we did that, we've actually got to not, we've got to increase the amount of wind farms and solar farms by sixfold. And we've actually got to have a whole lot of batteries because these things don't, don't work uh, when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine and often go offline for days, even weeks at a time. Mm. It has been estimated, and one estimate has put it, uh, that it could, we could require about 30,000 of the, the batteries that we've just installed, this very big battery in, in Geelong, we'd need 30,000 of those across Australia just to keep the lights on. And that, the, the, you can add up the cost of that. The cost of that itself is 9 trillion Australian dollars. That's three or four, <laughs> times, three or four times GDP. I mean, it's just horrendous numbers that you actually see when you... But hang on, hang on, hang on. This might be a good investment. And when I think of doing good investments, and I've got a company, a media training company, and if my business partner said, hey, Chris, we've got to spend $30,000 on this particular website design or whatever, I would say to him instantly, what do we get for $30,000? What are the outcomes? What's the result? What's the gain? What's the productivity measurement? Right. Has anyone asked that when they say no. we've got to spend $12 billion in six years? They say things like, oh, you know, as you said it before, this is actually going to be cheaper in the end. But however, we're going to keep on subsidizing the buggery because it's, it doesn't make sense. They say, oh, well, it will lower the temperature of the world. Well, it won't do any anything no. of the sort because the, the developing, developing countries, China, India, Indonesia, etc., they aren't doing anything. They're just replacing our 
heavy industry with their own heavy industry at no at no effect with no effect on emissions if the emissions are, uh, uh, are important in the first place but you know we we're not only spending all that money we on on the renewables and on the batteries but you mentioned before we've got to duplicate the transmission system a lot of people don't like that lines going over the farms it, it, it wrecks the farming they can't graze of course on it uh, uh, and and there are, there are great disturbances to general life there. And we were seeing, and we had a, a, a major demonstration in Canberra uh, the other week, basically, essentially farmers and rural people objecting to all of these monstrosities crossing their land and, and impinging upon their abilities to do business. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And I, I I think there's hope, and I tell you what the hope is, that we don't have power. Because I actually think that the process that Victorians have been through this week is probably the greatest lesson Victorians have been taught about the folly of putting your eggs into the renewable basket and literally blowing up your coal-fired power stations. Would you agree? Well, I think so, and, and that sort of thing does bring to light uh, the very realistic or very real uh, issues of electricity, which we take for granted. We take it for granted, we grumble if the price goes up and all that sort of stuff, but we take it for granted it's going to be there. And suddenly it's not there. And, you know, it, indeed, the, the, it, we had a summer storm. It's, it wasn't that, that serious a storm. They said, oh, it was 100 kilometers per hour winds. Well, you know, they have those awful, awful lot. We have that every year. Yes. They have it many, many times every, uh, in the United States. Uh, and, and, and occasionally pylons do get blown down, but the, uh, five of them bl blew down here. Now, there could be structural faults in those pylons, and maybe we're buying cheap stuff. I don't know. That This will all come out eventually. But, you know, we, we had Victoria basically disconnected from all power. Uh, great, great swathes of it. And for long periods. One coal-fired power station offline. One. Well, and, it, and why did it go offline? Well, it went offline because there was no line there's no uh, uh, transmission lines to actually put it to allow its its power to be to be transferred across the nation across the state and you know right now even even two or three days later we've basically got the market being manipulated being the, the price right now is very low why is it low because the, the regulator has said to all the all the coal fire generators you've got to go on you've got to keep on so they're, they're, they're producing power at negative prices at the moment, which is, you might sound is pretty good, but they're going to come back to the regulator and say, you've got to compensate us for that, mm. for those negative prices. So in the end, we get it, we, we get it in the pocket as consumers anyway. Yes. Uh, they have, we have to compensate the, the generators for being forced to run when it wasn't profitable to do so. Yep. There's no such thing as free. You make a very good point. What are the implications for... What has been a plan and intention by the Victorian Labor government to demonise coal and more than any other state, they're demonising gas just as much, despite the the fact that gas would be an ideal trans, transitioning energy source if you had to transition. Um, what, what, what does this say about the future plans of a Victorian Labor government? They won't lose face and change their modus operandi will they i wouldn't think they would i wouldn't think they've invested too much of it in terms of their ideological purity 
to go for these things. Yeah. They, they've seen the prices uh, go up by 25% to the, to the consumer. They've seen the prices and the wholesale prices go up two or three fold. And this will just continue on. So, you know, they, they we, we have the, uh, the, the minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, saying, well, you know, uh, this is this is this uh, extremely high, high temperatures, extremely this, extremely. These aren't, as I said before, these aren't high temperatures. These aren't particularly strong winds. They happen all the time. And yet our system isn't robust enough to take it. I mean, basically what will happen in the end is either there will be a series of collapses like we saw with the, with the collapse uh, the, other, the other week in Victoria, or they'll keep on chugging along and we'll, we won't notice it. And, and they'll, they'll just say, oh, well, this is the, this is the, the modern way. Uh, we have power shortages, we have disconnections occasionally just live with it. And mm. that's the, I think the nightmare that we become inured to that as, as individuals. And we say, Oh, well, you know, uh, the government can't do anything about it. Uh, so we, we'll live, we'll live with it. But of course, the government can do a lot of things about it. And other governments are, they are, you know, in, in increasing coal in, in China and India and elsewhere, they're increasing nuclear elsewhere. Yep. Uh, we don't need we don't, it's not even legal in Australia. No, we uh, can't even say the word, it's the N word. It is, yes. Um, can, can I talk about this business related to why it happened in Victoria this week? Because the Age article today summed up why we've lost the plot. This Age article said, quote, in their most recent State of the Climate report, the CSIRO and the Bureau of Meteorology said in 2022 that extreme weather events would happen more often as the world heats up. The latest incident hit network operator Oznet's transmission lines at Anarchy near Geelong, where high voltage lines were down by wind gusts of up to 120 kilometres an hour. My goodness, these lines were built in 1981 and deemed in good condition when inspected last year, suggesting, of course, that, hang on a second, these are great lines. Well, this is a calamity of, uh, of a natural disaster, of an unprecedented natural disaster. Talk about a long bow. And then and then, then to say something like that, when on a windy day, Alan, on at Sydney Airport, I'm telling you, we get wind gusts of between 100 and 120 kilometres an hour. It's standard. How dare they write that up almost as if, Oh, look what global warming does. It makes faster wind. Yeah, well, they're just being fed by the apologists for the, for the policies of the government in, in the government. I mean, as you say, they're saying this is a horrendous climate. It's, it's unprecedented. It's extreme, blah, blah, blah. This isn't extreme climate. And whether, in fact, the, the, we're going to have more windy days or not, I don't know. I, 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 sincerely, I, I sincerely doubt it. Uh, certainly all the other kind of horrendous uh, uh, forecasts about climate change, you know, we're going to have many more hot days, we're going to have many more rainy days, we're going to have many more whatever days, windy days. I mean, the number of hurricanes worldwide hasn't changed since 1900, you know, and, and th this is supposed to be a feature of climate change that we will have much more stronger winds. Well, we, we don't see any evidence of that. and. So anybody who's saying that it's going to happen is is just conjuring up propaganda, repeating propaganda. Well, it, well, Grattan Institute Climate Change and Energy Program Director Tony Wood said increasing wild weather, hang on, hang on a second, wild weather 
including heat waves, is exacerbating the stress on transmission lines and governments should ask if their design or construction could be bolstered. Yeah. So how about we spend a billion dollars on putting in new telegraph poles because of the increasing winds caused by global boiling? Are these people on drugs, Alan? Well, they are on drugs. It's called money. And basically, they're getting funded by the governments of the day. And so they are the mouthpieces of the governments of the day. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not inconceivable that we, we can actually improve our power lines and make them more robust, the pylons. But, you know, the, 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 we wouldn't do so because the weather is getting worse and wilder and all that sort of stuff. It's not getting worse and wilder. Uh, and those who say it is basically aren't, aren't producing any evidence for this. All they're making is assertions. And we can see, if we look at the history, whether, whether patterns haven't changed very much at all. Uh, there's no sense of any crisis going on. Even the IPCC reports, which have come out, haven't said there's a crisis in terms of the weather. Uh, the, at least they can't find any evidence of it. Of it. And for Tony Wood at Grattan to say so, I mean, he's just mouthing what he's paid to say. Yeah, let's spend another one bit or whatever it would be, 20 billion to do it. I want to read you something from the Wall Street Journal. This was highlighted by um, John Ruddick, who I had on the program just 10 minutes ago. Dumping chemicals in the ocean, question mark. Spraying salt water into clouds, question mark. Injective reflective particles into the sky, question mark. Scientists are resorting to once unthinkable techniques to cool the planet because global efforts to check greenhouse gas emissions are failing. These geoengineering approaches were once considered taboo by scientists and regulators who feared that tinkering with the environment could have unintended consequences. But now researchers are receiving taxpayer funds and private investments to get out of the lab and test these methods outdoors. We've created an industry on fear-mongering. Haven't we just? I mean, basically, you can just see almost all the things, all the major projects which are being conducted uh, have to have a global warming uh, 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 side issue with them in one way or another. And we're, we're funding people to do this, and they're seeking, they're seeking solutions to problems that don't exist. Uh, and essentially, those solutions are very very harmful i mean imagine somebody somebody saying well we are we've got to pollute the oceans in order to save pollution i mean that's basically what they're saying we, we pollute the oceans we pollute the atmosphere in order to save pollution well it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> none none whatsoever which is why there's no rallies for for whales anymore because despite wind turbines being put into the sea and whales not actually getting their orientation right and, of course, being distracted uh, and being beached in various parts of the United States, well, they don't go marching for whales anymore. They go marching for steel pylons that have turbines on the top of them. Exactly. And steel pylons that basically are, are undermining our economies, our standard of living, but yeah. by displacing what is uh, highly reliable and low-cost fossil and, and nuclear fuel. It is nuts ideology, but it's going to cost us an absolute bomb and the collapse of our living standards. I hope people are ready and raring for that. Dr. Alan Moran, great to have you on the program. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Good. If you want to have something to say about that, because that makes me angry. It makes me mad. 
that these people are so deluded that they think we've got to sign a suicide pact to the economy to try and create some kind of new weather world. It's balmy crap. They cannot tell you what you're going to gain in terms of temperature or how low the temperature will drop as a result of any of this. They can't. They don't. Have you ever heard someone that and they say, no, 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 oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. We've got to do all we can. It's just crap, total crap. But in the process of getting this crap policy happening, we're going to lose our living standards. We're going to be unable to keep factories open because of the blackouts. We're going to be unable to provide power to live. Everything will be delayed. We'll be late for work. You name it. Things will be disrupted massively. Are we prepared for that? What, to save the planet? Wait until you get the guarantee from your, from your government that we can save the planet first. You won't get that. If you want to have something to say, jump on our talkback lines and let rip. You're most invited. If you want to call in from the United States or Canada, the number is 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. I hope Victorians are thinking very seriously about whether they're prepared to cop three days of blackouts for the sake of allegedly saving the planet because that is their future, because their government decided to demonise both coal and gas and literally blew up coal-fired power stations. What a bunch of idiots. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Yesterday, for the second year in a row, Joe Biden skipped the traditional pre-Super Bowl interview. It would have exposed him to 60 million people, a chance to rebut what the special counsel said about his memory and, and other things. And it comes as no surprise that he skipped it. What comes as a surprise is what Jake Tapper said on CNN. People misspeak. I get it. I misspeak. But part of the job of president is the, the having the confidence of the American people in your faculties. Forget what Robert Hur said in the report. This is President Biden, Biden speaking publicly. Do you understand why some Democrats, according to polls, a majority of Democrats are concerned? And then Tapper addressed the missed Super Bowl opportunity with Democratic Congressman Robert Garcia. For instance, he's not doing the traditional Super Bowl interview with the network that's hosting the Super Bowl, which this year is CBS. I understand not doing it last year with Fox. This year it's CBS, and he's, he's not doing that. That sends a signal to people. What is he afraid of uh, when it comes to doing that interview? I mean, he's not afraid of anything. I mean, oh, first, uh, the, the president's got a busy schedule. I mean, who cares if he's not doing the Super Bowl interview? He it's not that people care about it, uh, whether or not it is a Super Bowl interview. It's, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity to speak to tens of millions of Americans. And uh, I, I have it under good authority that this year there are going to be a lot of Swifties watching. Uh, that's a lot of women uh, and men. Good for Tapper. Shame on shameless Garcia. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver. And we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith. 
on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. One of our viewers, stroke listeners, uh, Hidden in Plain Crisps. Yes, that's an account name uh, for our chat box, at least from this particular viewer. And he or she writes, it's all based on fraud, returning back to climate change. It's all based on fraud and lies as all world agendas World wars, terror, viruses, now climate hoax, all totalitarian fraud and lies. Green New Deal is being brought in on the back of a climate change lie. There you go. That's interesting. Um, I want to get to Siv, who's phoned through on our talkback line. Siv, welcome back. Yeah, great to be here. Look, yeah, I playing crisps. Well, I like those, but I also like the salt and vinegar ones as well, just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I just have to say that. Well, that's look, good. <laughs> look, I uh, I'm just thinking about all this talk about climate change. I did have this question for your guest, but he's he's gone now, so I'll ask you instead. Do you think these people who are pushing this are conflating weather and climate? So we've got a grey old day outside in Sydney at the moment, at least where I am, mm-hmm. and it's raining. So. Because it's raining and it's a grey old day, well, that must be climate change rather than a short-term weather thing that happens during the summertime when you've had a lot of heat and when you've had had a lot of hot weather. It's ridiculous. I would add to that by saying this, Siv, if they can't predict tomorrow's weather and they can't, how the hell can they tell me what the weather will do, whether they influence it or not, in 50 years' time? And just to add to your... Uh, Chatbox uh, contributor, I, I think that a lot of this is to send us all into the cave. I've said that a few times. I think a lot of this is to send us all into the cave. But as I say to these activists, and as I say to the UN, why don't you guys go into the cave first and then we'll follow you when you tell us how good it is. They won't because they are elitist snobs and they just don't want to live live out the consequences of their decisions and they never will they never will they'll be fine thanks very much good to talk to well you. all of these all of these elitists as okay. you say the ones that are primarily yeah. dependent on government money government jobs and government grants yes. that love to talk about climate change at every juncture they are the ones that simply want a socialist world they are the ones that want to even out the playing field they want to turn your second world countries into first world countries and your first world countries into second world countries so that everything is equal no matter what people's ability to work harder or or their brain power forget any of that forget about the individual differences that exist in the human race we just want to make things equal it's a socialist plot that's what it is well that's right that's right and I, I use a bit of shorthand, the world of Kumbaya, which does not exist. It, it mm. does not exist. And I wish these people, they're supposedly bright, but I wish they'd take their IQs out of room temperature for a minute and realise that wherever that's tried anywhere in the world, it has failed. Just look at the Soviet Union and how that fell over in a heap. Good yep. talk to you, Chris. Good on you, Siv. Thank you very much for your contribution on climate change. We can't enforce it enough that this is ludicrous ideology and it needs to stop. I'm not suggesting for one second we may not be warming. And some of the experts that deny that we need to do what we're doing to offset climate change tell me that they believe the data says that we're warming slightly. I'm not contesting that. Some people will. Go for your life. It doesn't matter to me because the way in which we want to offset that is unacceptable. It is not economically viable. It is not effective scientifically. So forget it. Throw all this 
ideological, expensive ideological rubbish out the window before we all die. Now, this is interesting. Putin has gone into bat for Joe Biden. Have you heard about this today? He has. London, Russian President Vladimir Putin said in a new interview that he preferred Joe Biden to Donald Trump, but was willing to work with any US president. Doesn't that sound like music to the ears of Donald Trump? Won't he love that? that Putin has sidled up with Biden because Biden's a weakling, he's a pushover, and so therefore, you know, Vladimir can do what he wants, he can run the world, he can be the superpower. Putin was asked by Russian state television, who was better for us out of Biden, a Democrat, and Trump, a Republican? Putin replied without hesitation, Biden. He's a more experienced, predictable person, a politician of the old school. Well, actually, he's not more experienced in terms of being president, but certainly as a politician, yes. Smiling slightly, he added, but we will work with any president who the American people have confidence in. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Think about that for a second. Putin, internationally, does an interview and goes into bat for Joe Biden. I think this this is not a good thing for Joe Biden. And I doubt whether Biden's going to make hay about this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great news. I just thought I'd announce to you that Vladimir Putin, my good friend from Moscow, says that I would make a better leader. So vote for me. Listen to what Vladimir... No, 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 no. I don't think he will. And I think Donald Trump will say something about it, though. You can bet on it. And Vladimir doesn't want Donald in the room because Donald will tell him, I'll blow your country to smithereens. That's what a Donald Trump president would do, and that's exactly what Vladimir Putin does not want. Isn't it funny? Um, he said, but we will work with any US president. He had a good smile on his face. Very interesting indeed. I just wanted to mention something before. I've got a couple of minutes. Pink, the entertainer, is in Sydney at the moment. Can I just tell you a side story? You know, Pink slept in my bed. It's a true story. It's a true story. I had a little rental apartment in Airlie Beach in Queensland. And one day when I was renting it out, I got a call from the reception to say, do you know that Miss Moore is in your bed? And I said, oh, I don't know who Miss Moore is. And she said, Pink is in your apartment. Pink has slept in my bed. True story. Pink was reportedly denied entry to a famous Australian harbourside club in an awkward encounter amid her latest tour down under. Imagine being the person that told Pink, you can't come in. Hey, what a dork. Seriously, the American superstar, age 44, was said to have visited Manly Skiff Club, a great little spot, on Monday evening with a party of around eight people, but was turned away at the door. You dicks. Pink, whose real name is Alicia Beth Moore, there's Miss Moore for you, was reportedly denied entry to the Harborside venue because she hadn't brought any ID with her. Give me a break. <laughs> What we're going to is we're going to mistake at a forty-four-year-old world superstar with being underage. Who is this moron at the door? Manly market manager Mark Imes witnessed the encounter while standing in line with his cousin and quickly realised it was Pink when she spoke with an American accent. He told the Manly Observer that he overheard her telling staff that she had a booking, but they said she couldn't enter without showing ID. She even had a booking, and she wasn't allowed in. Doesn't that put Australia on the map of primitive, backward places to visit, whether you're a superstar or whether you're not? 
I want to find out who this person is. You'll never or she'll never live it down, will he or she? Uh, Dean Mackett is up next. I will leave him, uh, leave you in his capable hands and I will exit uh, out the right door and be back at the same time tomorrow and hopefully you can join me as well. Spread the word. Be part of TNT. This is Chris Smith. Listener.